Spencer Ostrowski, aka The Wiz, officially <laughs> with my radio show on Fox Sports, but we'll get to that in a second. I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin Kelly. What it is. <laughs> How's it going? What's going on, guys? Uh, today we have a very special guest. It's my boss at Fox Sports, uh, Brian Feldman. He's on the phone with us right now to help us out with this Clap podcast. It up. Clap it up. <laughs> he let me fill in for him today on the radio show, and I appreciate that a lot. How's it going? How are you feeling after the uh, the plane ride? You know, I got to tell you, Wiz, what I don't understand is I heard on the show today you said it was Ostrovsky, and you've let me pronounce it wrong. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to correct you. I felt bad. I just heard yourself say Ostrovsky. So do you even know how to pronounce it? <laughs> I didn't say Ostrovsky. I don't think so, at least. <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe you caught me in a corner. Maybe I don't know how to say my own name. At some point, I might actually believe you. I, you know, the thing is, for me, I just want to enunciate correctly. And maybe it's a little sabotage to make sure that I don't see you scam my job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming for you. You gave me one opportunity. That's it. It's over for you. We're going to lock you out next weekend. <laughs> I love it. All right, perfect. Yeah, so uh, we're going to jump right into it here. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of Golden Knights. Uh, lost a pretty heartbreaking game to uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. We're up 4-2 going to the third period. Fortunately, we lost in overtime, but still, I think we've been playing really well after the All-Star break. The Golden Knights are now 3-2 and two following the All-Star break. Uh, again, you would have liked that game in, uh, against Tampa Bay because they played so well, but you, know, you can't win them all. Um, one thing I have noticed uh, before we get too far into it is that you know before uh, DeBoer came in, we were giving up 2.93 goals per game, and since uh, barring last game, we were going up uh, only giving up 1.75 goals. Um uh, what have you noticed from Peter DeBoer, just kind of in general, Brian? Like, is, have you seen a difference? Have you seen him being, being played more aggressive, or do you not like what you're seeing on the ice? You know, it, it, it sucks because it's like being on the wrong side of a political debate since most people in Las Vegas still are absolutely sold that on Gerard Gallant and believing that he was shafted and that he should have stayed for longer and they gave up on him too soon and what he did was miraculous, and it was. But, you know, I hate to say this because you look walk around and get shot, but let me tell you something. Peter DeBoer is a very good hockey coach. He coached the San Jose Sharks, made them a competitive team every single year. He is a guy that recognizes talent and completely understands how to motivate hockey players to play their best game. Maybe a little bit better than Gerard Gallant. I hate that I said it, but I I don't. (laughs) <laughs> this, this is not the same team that went to the Stanley Cup Finals two years ago. The best player on that team, people would argue, is James Neal. People would argue was Williams Carlson. But those people that are arguing better be talking about the forward players because that year it was Marc-Andre Fleury, as we all know. This year and right now, there is no question that Max Pacioretty is the best player on this hockey team. I thought it would be Mark Stone, who eventually will really start playing superb hockey again. He's that kind of player. But, you know, I mean, to answer your question, because I skirted around it in a really nice way if you saw (laughs) that, Peter DeBoer is 
a very good hockey coach. I haven't noticed anything spectacular except he is mixing up lines. He is looking for the correct chemical formula to make this team play well. But the bottom line is Peter DeVore, DeVore excuse me, will get the job done. And in the long run, in three years from now, it's not going to ever be Gerard Gallant, who will always remember Gerard Gallant, but I believe we'll be happy that this move was made at some point in time. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, the Golden Knights just weren't getting it done uh, under Gallant, and he wasn't getting the most out of our star players. And we've seen a much more aggressive play style, especially that has helped them the most is Mark Stone, I would say. Over the past five games, he's gone plus three. Nate Schmidt's gone plus three in terms of plus minus. And, you know, I will say, if we're going to move someone at the at the trade deadline, and I want to get your thoughts on this as well, the, the odd ones out to me are Jonathan Marceau and William Carlson. Over that their last five games, Jonathan's gone zero with only two goals, and Carlson has gone neg two with zero with zero goals. So, do you could you see them getting moved for maybe a big uh, blue line type of player and kind of having some other offensive guys step up at that point? Man, if you're going to move one of those two guys, I'm going to want a Brett Burns type of player, which you're not going to get. Let me tell you why. Number one, those are two of the most marketable Golden Knights. I mean, William Carlson, 43 goals in that inaugural season, was one of the most amazing things I saw from a guy that never scored more than seven. Comes over from the, from the Columbus Blue Jackets, is a misfit, and probably played with the biggest chip on his shoulder next to Marc-Andre Fleury than anyone else on the team. Jonathan Marcheseau is a small guy, but he thinks he's a big guy, and he plays like a big guy. Yes, he has fallen off a bit, and this year has not been, as a matter of fact, his least productive season. But Jonathan Marcheseau is a guy that scares me just like William Carlson. Let's not, let's not forget right now, did you guys see the All-Star game? If you did, you saw a guy named David Perron playing in it. Hmm. hmm. Where's David Perron? <laughs> no doubt. Stanley Cup, the reigning Stanley Cup, St. Louis Blues. Don't give up on talent that's really good. And both those guys are Golden Knights. You'll, if those, and those guys have already showed what happens when you send them away and they feel shafted. They go to another team and beat the snot out of you. And every time David Perron plays here, every time Pierre Edward Belmar plays here. They score goals against us, and they do, they've done very well for their prospective teams. Edward uh, Pierre Edward uh, uh, Belmar, look at how well he's played for the Colorado Avalanche. So I don't want those two guys going. But yes, somebody does have to step up. Earlier, I would have said it would have been a guy like Paul Stastny, but he's really played well since they've changed the line he's been on. So so I don't know. Uh, um, I don't know. Uh, you know, Spence. Somebody has got to move because we do need that blue line, lights out, shut down player to make things happen. And I hope that it happens. I hope we see it come to fruition, but I wouldn't count on it just because I don't know exactly who they would move. And, uh, you know, no one's going to want like Tomas Nosek. So, you know, I mean, I mean, that's my thoughts. At the end of the day, well, I, and I agree with a lot of what you said, of course. Like, they, they let a lot of guys go who they shouldn't. But, you know, the Golden Knights were in a unique position in that they had to make a lot of contract decisions that most teams quite simply don't have to make in one offseason because the guys who they picked in the draft, like the initial um, draft for the team, they were on one- or two-year deals. So, I mean, they were having contract discussions probably more than any team would ever like to. So it is unfortunate, but it's just a situation they're in now. And one last thing I want to talk about with the Golden Knights is something that I don't think anyone wants to really talk about, but at this point, it's kind of blatantly obvious, especially last night. Marc-Andre Fleury, 
he has i mean father time comes for everybody wash yeah kevin is he's already saying wash i don't know if i'm there yet but i mean it has to be a little concerning am i right you know, here's the thing, and, and and I see what Kevin's saying, and I think a lot of fans echo that sentiment. But, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury, I think you almost got to let him ride off in the sunset when he wants to because of what he's done for the sport of hockey and what he's done. And, yeah, it's about winning now, but I, he's one of those guys, you know, you know, as I told you this, when, when I, you've heard me say it on the show several times, being a Detroit guy and covering the Detroit Red Wings and, you know, um, watching them beat the Detroit Red Wings when Marc-Andre Fleury was a young guy and Sidney Crosby was a rookie and they came back and won three straight and beat him in game seven at Joe Louis Arena and it was repulsive. I was there. Um, and I, I wanted to I wanted to hate Marc-Andre Fleury. And he came to the Golden Knights and I've, I've been so blessed with the opportunity to get to cover these guys and see them in the locker room and, and, um, and, and you know, talk to them. You get to know them as people and out of all the people I've ever met, the superstars, and Wiz, you know I'm not going to sit here and name drop. It's not my thing. I'm just very blessed to get to do what I do, and I've gotten the good <laughs> fortune to meet, meet and interview a lot of people. Marc-Andre Fleury is the greatest of the great. I mean, he is such a humble, incredible man, and I know, again, I'm skirting around it because we want to talk about <laughs> I know. About no one wants to say it. But, but, but here's the deal, dude. You have to you have to take that into consideration when it comes from guys that have transcended, that have absolutely helped the sport revolutionize, and it did on the West Coast because of Mark Andre Fleury. So let's please take that into consideration when we're talking about sending him out to pasture. But yes, it is time to take it to to, to look forward. And yes, Wiz, you said it succinctly and in a different way than I would. I always say Mother Nature is a b is a b word. Okay, and she has killed. In my, to my knowledge, there's not a human being that's lived that she hasn't killed <laughs> in time. Okay, she beats everybody, and in time, she knocks on your door. She whacks you with that big hammer called the law of gravity. Everything falls down from your skin to your, your, you know what, and it's time to sit back and enjoy the twilight of your life. Mark Andre Fleury has a hell of a lot of living left to do, but he doesn't have a hell of a lot of hockey left to play. So this year, yes, you have to take a look and say, is Malcolm Subban the guy to replace him? I don't know. Oscar Dance, I don't know. Ferguson, I don't know. I mean, you know, I just don't know right now. And that's the sad thing. We've been very spoiled because even in the twilight of his career, and Kevin and, 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 and Spence, you guys tell me, have you – Think about this. When you saw Marc-Andre Fleury for the first time, I've been covering hockey my whole life, okay, and that's back. There was two dinosaurs running around, and they were playing <laughs> on wooden skates back then. But, 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 but the point is, is this guy has made saves in his mid to late 30s yeah. that you don't see men in the prime in their 20s make. He has been nothing but spectacular to watch. We have been so blessed and fortunate to have him here. So, yes, is it time for him to start thinking about going – Please go before you're a has-been. I don't want to see you go at the end of your your career playing, you know, in, in Charlotte for a minor league team. So please go away before that time, Mark. I know you love the game, and he loves it so insatiably like a little kid. But, yes, it's time to start looking forward. And if you're asking me who's the heir apparent man, I honestly have no idea. I don't question. think we have him right now. Do you do you think like because of this like now like pretty much the entire old guard of of the golden of the you know the short length of the Golden Knights history 
that's beginning to like transition out. Do you think now we're looking at like a full scale rebuild of the team? You know, yeah, yeah, that we, we kind of are because I mean, when it, let's put it this way, as I've always said, hockey is the most unique sport of all. And this now, is it my favorite? No, man, come on, I'm a, I, you know, I, I'm a North American. I love freaking football. <laughs> like everyone else, it's the number one sport. Hockey, I played it since, and I started playing it kind of late, actually, from being from Michigan. I just started playing hockey until I was about 16, but I played my whole life since. Most of my friends started when they were a lot younger. But um, the coolest thing about hockey is. There is no sport like it. Well, then again, LeBron James might argue with me in basketball, <laughs> but there's no sport like it where one man can truly dominate a team and take you all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. And in yeah. hockey, the bottom line is you have to put the biscuit in the basket to win. One nothing doesn't matter if you played great and your goaltender played out of his mind. If you don't get the puck past the goalie and the score is zero, you lose. <laughs> That's right. And I've seen it happen time and time again to presidents come winners. And for those of you out there that are novices or you don't know the game of hockey, President's Cup is the team with the best record in the NHL. And the reason I know it so well because the Red Wings have done it more than anyone else. They win the President's Cup, but it doesn't mean crap because you want to win the Stanley mm-hmm. Cup. That's the champions. And the Red Wings were out in the first round. We did it when I was a younger man to a team called the San Jose Sharks, and they had a goaltender named Arturus Urbe. And we could not, when I say we, like I'm a member of the team, but the Red Wings could not put the puck past this guy. And the eighth seed beat the one seed. We just saw it happen recently with Jonathan Quick and the Los Angeles right. and what he did. So a goaltender makes all the difference in the world. So, yes, Kevin, it starts with goaltenders. Mm-hmm. So if you're talking about revamping a hockey team, we, you have to say, yes, they're redoing it when you're starting with a new goaltender. But as far as the nucleus of this team, which which is the goaltender, but spreads out from that, no, I still think we're in place. I think March is so. I think okay. Riley Smith had a great season. I think William Carlson is fine. Alex Tuck. Watch this guy. If he can freaking stay on the ice and stay healthy, watch this guy down the road. He's long. He he can take physicality. Ryan Reeves, I know a lot of people are suspect with him, but you need a guy that can protect everybody, and he's that guy. And, man, how about William Carrier? We don't give him enough credit. Cause he Definitely not. But this is a big man that can put the puck in the net and also can defend himself and his teammates. So I think – you know, all those guys have been around, and I think that's a good thing for this team. But yes, we have to start with the goaltender, and who is it going to be? I, man, I'm, I, my guess is as good as your guys. I don't know. <laughs> I just don't think Malcolm Subban's that guy. I think Malcolm Subban's a talented player, but I think in the Subban family, everyone would agree PK got the majority of the. Mm-hmm. Team. He got the I lion's share. So too. Yeah. He, he might be time for Subban to go too. All right, just final thoughts. As if the team makes no trades right now, do they make it out of the first round of the playoffs? Yeah, they could because because of uh, offensively. I mean, if they if they can control the neutral zone, which people, if you don't know that, it's blue line to blue line. It's not where the goalies are. It's the neutral zone. And the, and the nights, the games we've lost, if you look, we lose the neutral zone play. We're, we've got to get that puck, so we're the one dumping it in and not the opponents. But if we can play well in the neutral zone and offensively, Pacioretty and Stone can play like he has the past couple games. Carlson and Marcheseau get going, and guys, I promise you they will. If this team catches fire, those two guys will be a part of it. Matter of fact, they will have to be a part of it. And, um, you know, Riley Smith, Alex Tuck plays well. I- I'm telling you, some of the younger guys defensively, Shea Theodore has to continue to score from the blue line because until we get somebody great back there, him and, him and Schmidt are our guys. The 
offensive guys can go two ways, but we need somebody better. We really do. And the bottom line is, I just hope that, that, that and I'm sorry, Derek Lindman, I love you, but please, will somebody get the West Cement off his <laughs> My God, he's skating like a 40, I, oh, he is a 40-year-old man, so he's skating like his age. He's a little younger than that. But, um, but the bottom line is, is, is like I said, just, uh, you know, just, um, these guys got to hang in there, play better, and I think this team is a team that can get to the side. They can get deep. Marc-Andre Fleury, here's the one cool thing about a real old dude. You know this type of stuff. Why would I know this? Because I am one. So, <laughs> You're not that old. Come You're on. spring chicken, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, the, what, the reason I can say this is, is because you still have it in you, man. And you start getting questioned because guys like Kevin and Kevin, I'm not taking any offense. You know you're suffering. But I guarantee Woods wouldn't have you doing what you're doing. But, mm-hmm. but the point is, is, is if, if you pay attention and things like that, these guys, man, you know guys like you that are up-and-comers and, comers and are, are, are trying to make it in the sporting broadcasting world or up-and-coming players, they're all whispering behind their backs. Look at this old dude. Man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, Mark Andre Fleury looks like he should be wearing a UPS shirt. Why isn't he just oh, looking man. around? He gets the hell out of hockey. I mean, but the point is, it's it's valid, and I get it. But but he hears that, and the pride of an athlete. Oh he yeah, plays sports yeah. Your whole life, he has one last stand in him. Now, if he tries two or three last stands, he's going to end up in a last stand like George Armstrong Custard and be destroyed. But if he has just one last stand. Fleury could take us to the promised land again, but not by himself. He is definitely going to need Mark Stone and Pacioretty scoring a lot of goals, and he's going to need our guys playing well defensively. He's going to need, you know, guys like Braden McNabb really holding up the back end of the puck, and guys like Carrier and and um, uh, Brian Reed getting limited ice time, but in that limited ice time, making good use of it. And all those things come to cover, together. Is this team a Stanley Cup champion? Man, I'd be really, really surprised. But could they get pretty deep in the playoffs? I don't see why not, man. Sure, I guess. Uh, I hope so, obviously. Uh, but I don't see it don't right now. I don't think so, Wiz. You asked me, can they? You didn't say, do I think <laughs> they can? I'm trying to, they come on, I'm trying to take your job here. You can't call me out like that. I'm, I'm trying to sneak in anything that I can. Here's, here's what I'll say. I'll give you a prediction. You want that? Okay, that sounds good. They're going to make it to the first okay. round. They're going to probably end up as the fifth or sixth seed, right. which is right about where they are right now. And they're going to make it to the first round of playoffs. They're going to give us a gallant effort and go out in six games. That's my prediction. I hope so. Well, I'd be, I think that'd be great as of right now. All right, we're going to transition into a second segment called Face the Facts. And uh, we haven't had a, too much of a chance to talk this on the radio show, but it is a fact. The UNOV running Rebels are... 7-12 and 12 now when Amari Hardy attempts more than 10 field goal attempts. I heard this and, is like an unpopular take on, on your show. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just kind of like a general thing around Las Vegas, and they're 4-2 and two when he attempts less than 10 field goals. Honestly, it's very concerning for the 12-13 and 13 Rebels in the first season who just barely won against Fresno State. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I'm sticking with my statement that TJ will not be the head coach of the organization in two years. He'll have one more year, and I think that's it. He doesn't know how to beat a 1-3-1 zone. No. And we saw that in the Utah State game. And he literally had nothing for them, even in the timeouts. And honestly, there's, a lot, there's always a giant hole in the middle of our zone defense that, that always just gets taken advantage of until some second-half adjustments. The only bright side to this is the emergence of Bryce Hamilton. Over the last five games, he's averaging 26.6 points, 1.2 steals. He's shooting 36 from three-point range, which is all right. But overall, he's shooting 52, 52.6%. I'm, what, I mean, what do, you, what do you make of this team and 
do you think I'm sounding a little more right when it comes to the fact that Amari Hardy's not that good? And do you think TJ will be the head coach two years from now? Well, first, I'm, I'm having a little tiny bit of trouble hearing you, Spencer. It's breaking up a little bit, but I got most of it, I think. And, and I got to tell you something. Kevin, does he, like, have a dartboard of Amari Hardy and throw darts at it? Because he does this on our show, too. He hates the guy. He's dribbling, he tells he's dribbling me, the air out of the basketball. He, we, we, I, I mean, Amari Hardy <laughs> is a good guy. Remember, you know he's a great Hardy's person. From, by the way, do you know where Amari Hardy's from? Where? Why don't you Google him? Kevin, Google Amari Hardy <laughs> and, and tell Wiz where he's from right now. Man, I will go out and have a nice picnic with him. We can talk about everything life has to offer. But when he's on that basketball court... He is so bad for this team. We have a uh, we have a name for guys like Amari Hardy. We call them <laughs> PSI bullies. <laughs> I'm sure Tom Brady he's would from, love uh, him. He's from the D. He's from Detroit. Oh, he's from Detroit. Okay, now I see. I should have guessed that in the first place. Okay, so Amari Hardy's from Detroit, just like just like Donnie is. Donnie Tillman is also from Detroit. He's great. So Tony Tillman's great. Spot because I'm a homer, dude. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, Amari, Amari Hardy, is Amari, put it this way. Let me answer this question first, and it's my own question. Is Amari Hardy a Mountain West Conference starting guard? At this point in time, yes, he is. Okay? Because the Mountain West Conference is not that good. Is he a D1 Power 5 Conference starting guard? Come on, guys. I'm not even going to answer that question. The answer is no, or he'd be playing there. But... Amari Hardy, when he is less selfish and he plays distributor, he sees the floor very well for the, the role that he plays, and he does de- decently. There is times he gets selfish, and when he gets selfish, he hurts himself and he hurts the basketball team. He takes too many shots, and it usually hurts us. But there's times he's on, and the one thing Amari Hardy can do that only maybe four guys in this this team can do is, and that's finish. Man, the UNLV destroys me with their uh, the, the, how this team just does not finish, and but he does when he gets the ball. Is Amari Hardy the answer? No. This team this team is going to need a lot of work, and I think that they're probably in trouble overall. And I don't see this team getting past maybe one win in the Mountain West tournament when it comes when it comes to it. We're about to see probably somewhat of a collapse coming up here, and it scares me. But will T.J. Otzelberger be the coach in two years from now? I don't know why, but I think he will be. I think I think I, it's, definitely, it's definitely an improvement over Marvin Mendes. I mean, that's a pretty and, low bar to clear, let's be honest. Like I said, I did not talk about when we're, we're not playing the limbo here because if we were, both those guys would hit the ground. But, 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 but I think he will be because I think coaches are going to get at least three years. And, 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 a, and a question is, is you know, where is – where is Desiree Reed Francois going to be in three years? You know, that's going to probably dictate a lot of things as well. Mm. But no, I don't like this. I mean, I, you know, uh, Amari Hardy, Amari Hardy's not the answer to this team. The best player on this team has proved it this year is Bryce Hamilton. This is a kid that could probably play at the D1 Power Five level. Yeah. Other than that, on this team, I don't know what we have. Tillman, I, I'm and a big have- fan of as well. I he he was the only reason we hit, we had a chance in that. Uh, Fresno State game yesterday. I mean, his aggression at the end to go to the free throw line was the only reason that we had this crazy lucky Marvin Coleman shot that somehow went in. But I'm the main problems I have with TJ is pretty much his player rotations. And I know that Amari Hardy's okay. I mean, he isn't the worst, but he does lose a lot of games. But there's a guy who I believe... I correct you. I got to correct you. You said, well, what did you say? His what rotation? His player rotations. 
Yeah, play. Do, do they have players? Yes, I I think Elijah Long is better than Amari Hardy. I don't think that's too, too much of a stretch. He doesn't get as much playing maybe time. Not, maybe not. Maybe so, not. I, I don't. Yeah, of course they shouldn't bench Amari Hardy and not play him. But Elijah Long deserves to start on this team, and I and I don't think anyone talks when about you that. Said players, when you say players, they don't have a lot of options. So what do you rotate in and out? I see what you're saying, and you could have a valid point there. I think he may be a little bit better than Hardy as well as time goes on. At least in this I, offense, at you know, least. Second, yeah, and, and I mean, who's their second best player, Coleman? I mean, I, I mean, well, Tillman, Tillman, and Hamilton are by far our best players, and I think that he can get a lot more out of Jong. I think he's actually a very talented basketball player, and especially with his size. Yeah, he gets a little dominated down low. That's like defensively, maybe not, but offensively, I think there's a much more of a game you can unlock. I'm I'm saying all uh, um Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's not obviously Giannis Antetokounmpo, but I'm saying that play style I think could work in the Mountain West, and he's just not utilizing him at all. The play style just, just being larger than everybody. Yeah. You, you use the word very talented. Kevin hit him. You don't use the word very talented with a player in the Mountain West. <laughs> but there is not a player on UNLV that is very talented. We're talking right contextually. Talented, talented, and maybe a D1 player. And Donnie Tillman was a D1 player last year. But very talented. Ooh, that's a stretch in any sport on any team right now. And I and I don't mean that in a facetious way. But no, it's I, just I, Mountain I West. Covered these guys for years, and I'm dying to say that about somebody. It's all you know, relatively speaking. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. All right. Oh, got, got, yeah. So so you know UNLV this year. I think that um, are we going to be pleasantly surprised? No. What was the great coach? I think they'll be what we thought they were. That's right. <laughs> they, they are who we thought they were. That's right. That's it. They are what they thought they were. That's it. All right. Perfect. We're going to uh, transition into our last segment with you. The Raiders are the big talk of the town, obviously, coming to Allegiant Stadium. The first thing on everybody's mind, I was hoping that Tom Brady during the halftime was going to announce he's going to sign with the Raiders. I was I was expecting John Gruden to come out of nowhere, give him a big old hug, and just have this big announcement, but it didn't happen. Still, he sold his home <laughs> in New England. He cleaned out his uh, whatever in the stadium, they said. It was cleaned extra. Like his locker? Yeah, it was cleaned a little more than it usually was, whatever that means. But he did buy property in Las Vegas. We have seen him at the reportedly. F- we saw him at the fight with Mark Davis, and it, and I don't know. It seems to kind of work out. He kind of has the weapons he wants. Is Tom Brady coming to the Las Vegas Raiders next year? Well, Wiz, I'm going to tell you. If he does, I'm going to talk to Alan Snell and my other, and friends of mine at the Review Journal, like Mark Anderson, and um, and and even guys at the other the other publications and tell them they better give you credit because you are the biggest rumor starter with this there is. I know it's out there. <laughs> I think maybe I started all of this. <laughs> I, you started it, the rumor before it even started. It's I gotten a significant amount of traction since. I think you might have said something, and that's why Tom Brady went and had a conversation and sat next to <laughs> Maybe he likes our show. I, I think I, that's I, not I, a stretch. You were saying it before the two of them even sat down and had a cup of coffee together. <laughs> and you know what? I would love against everyone who wishes you know I'm with you I, I know that we that you that I love to let you and Caleb go at it uh, about, about Derek Carr but I am right with you you know you remember distinctly well maybe you don't because you came on in the middle of the season but the, before the first game of the season I said 
distinctly on the show that when the Raiders come to town next year, Derek Carr will not be starting their starting quarterback. Yeah. I ate those words recently and just said, I think he is going to be by default. They're not going to draft the quarterback, and who are they going to get? But I'll tell you right now, Tom Brady would be a great choice. They're not going to the Super Bowl. Maybe they'd go to the playoffs. And you know what? I take that back. If they can get a wall and somehow build a wall with all the money they have around Tom Brady, they could get into the second round of the playoffs maybe. But you got to have a defense too. And their defense has improved but not good enough to win a Super Bowl. We saw that this year. So they have all kinds of holes they need to fill. Tom Brady would just be coming to Vegas to finish his career in Las Vegas with the first year, you know, to kind of – cement his legacy being the quarterback of the first year that Raiders the first ever franchise in Vegas would be kind of cool to cement his legacy but he's not going to the bowl with this team if Tom Brady wants to go to the bowl he needs to go back and they need to sit Jimmy Garoppolo down and it would be just poetic justice but sit him down and put Tom Brady with the 49ers to me that is his best yeah they definitely would have won the Super Bowl with Tom Brady it wouldn't even close They've got the defense. They have the defense to win it. And Garoppolo just showed us right now that he's going to pee his pants in big moments. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not hanging that game on Jimmy G, but I'm telling you. I will. I'll take that responsibility. Do what he did. Yeah, I mean, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's, I. you know, I think, yes, the Raiders have a lot of holes, mainly that they, they're missing three linebackers that are starting quality. So that's a good transition So into the first round where, where a lot of those kinds of problems are addressed. Who do you see the Raiders targeting with their first two picks in the first round? Ooh, that is, that is such a good question. You know, to tell you the truth, i got to think they need another offensive lineman, Spence. And I don't Maybe. know who's up there that they're going to There's a lot. Get, but they definitely need an offensive lineman. I think one of the two picks will be dedicated to that. Um, outside of that, you know, I'm looking at wide receiver. I mean, that seems yep. to be another hole of the Raiders. They, they've they got the running back in Josh Jacobs now. It seems that this kid could stay healthy. You know, I, I believe this year he's going to be a top six fantasy football draft. So I like Josh Jacobs a lot. I think they're good there. Well, Waller, my God, you want to talk about, you know, People give him a lot of credit and talk a lot about him. He's a pro bowler. But to talk about where he was two years ago and where he is right now is absolutely unbelievable, the improvement that guy made at the tight end position to one of the best in the game. So you're really good there. The wideout position is where they're a little bit, not even a little bit suspect. They need help. And But, but you know, that's if you get Tom Brady and you get a quarterback. I just don't think Derek Carr, I'm, I'm with you and – me and you fight, you know, you fight with him a lot more than I do on the right. subject. I'll take it um, to my grave. I don't think I don't think there's a better man right now than Derek Carr on that roster to take the team, but he's not taking him anywhere. Just to lead the team, yeah, lead the team. You're not leading him anywhere, but lead him. Personally, I would love to see the Raiders trade up maybe to take Isaiah Simmons, the most dynamic defensive player who can play safety and linebackers. Say, yeah. Surprisingly, but that leaves you. They, they let's be honest. They need another receiver. As much as I give Derek Carr uh, slack, he. I mean, he needs help, and whoever, whatever quarterback takes over next, needs help too. So you can't. You, yeah, yeah, you can't really. I, I know, but you've got you've got Richie Incognito who's selling used cars back in football, <laughs> blocking for him. You gotta get some linemen. I mean, Richie Incognito is one of the meanest SOBs to ever play the game, but his best years are far behind it. And Quite. you you gotta you gotta look into the offensive line because Derek Carr pretty soon I mean he's already gun shy. Pretty soon he's gonna look like his brother David did after playing that the year for the expansion Houston Texans. 
I think when you when you have that second round, like the luxury of having multiple picks in that first round, especially when you have a, this is a pretty wide receiver heavy draft. You got Lamb, Rugs, a lot of the, the a lot of those Alabama guys, a lot of those um, you know Clemson. Oklahoma guys, Clemson guys. So you can really have your pick of the litter for as far as wide receivers, but that that first pick that they have that the pick that they own themselves that's that's the big one it could be career like not career defining it could be franchise defining i don't think and there are a lot of very talented and very strong offensive linemen that are you know projected to go in the earlier half of the first round so i don't think it would be a bad pick i'm not using my pick i'm not using my my pick on an offensive lineman there there's no one that's standing out that much you're not in the first round no in the first round i'm I'm probably looking at my second pick with gotcha okay uh, yeah, probably not the worst. Gonna, my first pick is going to be if I can get a great receiver. And you're right; it is probably as, as, at the receiver position as deep as the draft is. But um, I'm still trying to find a linebacker. They've got to shore up the middle of that defense, man. And if you could find a good linebacker in the middle round or trade down a little bit, get one of the elite linebackers in this draft. I think you're in good shape. I would love to see the Raiders take Kenneth Murray from Alabama. I think that's going to be the target with the second pick in the first round, but. Uh, all right, we'll, we'll wrap this up. Uh, I just want to give your like, if the Raiders do sign do sign Tom Brady, what do you think their record would be next year in Las Vegas? Ten and six. Yeah, wow, Kevin, I don't even need to talk. I, <laughs> my sentiments exactly. Yep. Wow, ten six team. Yep, exactly. That's impressive. I think, and, and I and, and put it this way: if they don't have Tom Brady, I'm going to twist it around and say I'll be happy to see him go seven and nine, and I mean that sincerely. I think he makes that yeah, much. Derek Carr's worth negative even, three wins. Even mediocre offensive linemen will become better offensive linemen because they're playing for Tom Brady. Yep. Wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, I, I would be a little. I uh, play a little harder. A guy like Tom Brady is going to bring the absolute best out in anybody, and uh, and so you know, I, I think it would be such a cool move. I just don't think it's going to be going to happen. I actually think somehow he's going to end up staying in New England. I really do. It's got to be the favorite as of right now for him to stay. One, so. one more, one more year in New England is what I see. You yeah. know, the best fit for him of all, but they, and, but they and they could turn their whole franchise around. The Bears, Miami. Oh, Miami. No, Miami. Oh. They got the cap. It's South. <laughs> just South wouldn't like South Florida. I, he would. But I don't know if Tom would. I mean, I'm just telling you right now, but, but um, I, I just can't see him. I can't see New England letting him go to one of their divisional rivals. He won't go to a division so, rival for sure. That's why if he leaves New England, because if he went to the Bills, I mean, that that's a Super Bowl yeah. team, I think. so. But he, he would never do that to New England at that I'm point. I'm telling you right now, here's my pick for Tom Brady. Three places. Somehow Denver has become the graveyard of sure. quarterbacks. Why not? I could see the donkeys going after him with his with his quarterback quarterback relationship up there. I could see that. I could see him a, a Raider, or I can see him a New England. Those are the three teams mm-hmm. that I think you will see. Tom let's Ray. make it happen. I already spoke the rumors into existence. Now let's speak the signing into existence. I say he's going to sign me, here. Look at me. I'm, you're <laughs> one of my we're, we're talking about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right, Brian. Well, I can't thank you enough. Uh, I'll plug. I'll plug the show just one more time. You can listen to us or Brian. He hosts the show out of line. We're on Fox Sports Radio, ninety-eight point nine, uh, thirteen forty a.m. We're on every Sunday from eight to nine. Brian, thank you so much for joining us, man. It means the world to me. Appreciate you, Brian. Yeah, it was any anytime. Just have to, by Sunday, I want to know whether it's Ostrowski. <laughs> I'll have to talk. Really I'll have to convene with the family and decide. Yeah, I, I want to really stick it to Caleb, so I need your help. <laughs> Maybe I'll say it's odd just to make Caleb feel worse about it. You got it. Man. All right, I'll thank you. you Appreciate it, Bye-bye. Brian. Take Bye-bye. care. Bye-bye.
Awesome. That's great. All right. Uh, yeah, I want to thank Brian one more time. That was amazing. Uh, we're going to finish up here just a little bit. We want to talk about our fourth segment of the show called, Oh, That's Hot. That's Hot. That's Hot. <clears throat> uh, where we just kind of talk about what's hot and going on in the world of sports right now. Kevin, would you like to start? Um, apparently, we're talking about the Super Bowl, which happened a week ago. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, we Yeah, we, we started the podcast like, you know, a couple days after, you know, uh, the, the Super Bowl occurred and took place. And, you know. The Super Bowl, yeah, yeah, nice. <laughs> the Chiefs. <laughs> I just think the Super Bowl proved the value of Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and I've talked about this before in multiple mediums. But I say, yeah, eighty percent of the time, the Super Bowl is won by Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and twenty percent of the time, yes, it's not impossible to win without a good quarterback. But if you're playing the odds and you're a franchise, you have to base your franchise around your quarterback because you saw what happened. Even with two interceptions, Pat Mahomes was still the best player in that Super Bowl. Did you do you buy into that? Because pro football focus is kind of like toxic, like poisoned football, like to a degree. Discourse around football, um, they have this. You know, they have a lot. They're they're the purveyor of a lot of very hot takes. In that, like one of them being that defense doesn't really as ma- matter as much as people you know make it out to to matter. So, do you think that San Francisco, with having this elite defense, pretty much having probably the best front seven in football? Having you know, uh, you know, Richard Sherman revitalizing his career and you know playing at a level that no one probably ever thought he would ever play after tearing his Achilles. Do you think them kind of just pooping the bed, uh, kind of just proves that point? They necessarily. Defense I mean, doesn't matter. yes. At the end of the game, they did fall <clears throat> apart. But let's be honest. If Jimmy Garoppolo had gotten them a couple first downs, we're not talking about. We're talking about a great defensive mm-hmm. performance from the 49ers. We're not talking about them falling apart. I mean, you don't give up that third and fifteen. They're stopping the Chiefs to ten points in the Super Bowl, and I. And, yeah, I mean, that's not how it worked out, obviously. But, I mean, the reality is if you have a quarterback that's even slightly better than Jimmy Garoppolo, that game's over. It's not even a competition. It's just, you know, I've never been super, de- like, up on Jimmy G, and it's never been, like, a thing where I yeah, – He could have switched jersey with Derek Carr and no one would have known. That's what that's my thing is that I think him and Derek Carr are, like, largely very similar. They're comparable. Third and fourth in the league in yards after the catch. Very, very similar. But, yeah, like, they're, they're check-down Yak merchants. They, yeah, they're – check down merchants they you know the touch pass is like a huge part of the offense for those guys like the deep ball i mean we saw the deep ball literally not end the super bowl so yeah like it comes down to like the the topic largely surrounding the 49ers has been who do you really blame do you blame kyle shanahan for you know coaching them out of at the end of the day jimmy garoppolo was his quarterback and they didn't have any other options and that yeah he tried to play as conservative as you humanly could in a game and when he needed him just to do anything, he had two chances to win the game. He literally couldn't get it done. Kyle Kyle Shanahan made his mistakes. I think that sure. he doesn't know how to play with it. Like, I don't understand what what happens with him when he has this lead, and I don't know if he feels the need to be more aggressive or if he. I don't. I don't understand his philosophy and and not running the ball, especially having the most prolific run game in in the NFL this and year. And a great running scheme like the whole they kept them on their toes the entire game. A lot game. of chunk plays. Like yeah. they've just been their whole their whole offense this season has just been the sweeps were chunk, nasty in the Super Bowl. Just like rushing chunk plays like. And so when you go away from that it's like, you know, I it's not the worst thing in the world. I think you can still win the game if you're not like overly dedicated to playing more conservative in the second half. But when you ask your quarterback to do like the bare minimum, just make a play. You make a play. You hit your wide open receiver when he's when he breaks free on a route, 
and he can't do that. It's like I, can't, I don't. Know. At some point, you can't blame the coach for that. You that's drew a, it that's up. That's a pass you gotta make. You drew man. it up perfectly for Emmanuel Sanders to just break free, and and catch a touchdown, easy. And Jimmy G couldn't find him. Like at the same time, there was just inter- inter- he's throwing interceptions where his vision is just not there. Arm strength is is inconsistent. Close his eyes on an interception. That's what I'm saying. Like I, I can't see the like. And they're going to be on the hook with him for with him for hundred million dollars for the next few years. So I don't know. You're going to have to you're going to have to expect more from him going forward. If this is like something, if 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 you believe your championship window is still open, and I do think it's like relatively open. There's no reason the, it's not. I mean, they're not going to be a, like a significantly worse team. There's this no year. reason for them not to be as good. You know probably can't be like this because they're like almost historically good this year but like yeah. there's no reason for them not to be one of the top teams in the nfl next year and if they are going to do that and they're still going to make a run at the super bowl they have to they have to demand demand more from garoppolo and are you going to get that out of him i don't i don't know that's that's no. up to him my that's answer, up to him. The answer the answer to that question is no at least for me all right um i'll Let's, go to my uh my uh what hat i'm gonna go with hat. the xfl i'm i gotta tell you i think i'm all in on the league the rules are nothing too crazy. There's not They're like not a invasive. wacky inflatable arm man in the middle of the field. You know, it's not goofy. It's just essentially every proposed rule in the NFL that they've thought about implementing over the years in one league. And the the game's faster. There's a, the transparency, man. I'm telling you, that is like, I think that's my favorite part of the league. The fact that you can hear the referees talking. You can hear the review booth and the discussion between the referees. We need that in the NFL, don't we? So couple things with the XFL is that, like, they're obviously the real changes, like, are made in the interest of, like, keeping the game more interesting because there are very mundane parts about NFL football. Yeah. And stuff that we, like, really take for granted or don't even, like, really care about. And so when it takes things like the kickoff and kind of puts a unique spin on them. In the past, in the in the original iteration of the XFL, there was stuff done simply just to be different from the NFL. But these seem to be considered efforts to improve upon the stuff yeah, that we see. Yeah, around the base source. Currently. So, like, you know, in the XFL, it was, like, the kickoff. The way they did the kickoff was just concussion central. They had to, like, this like, is the was like a red should adopt the game. kickoff style of this. <clears throat> you get exciting kickoffs. You can't kick it into the end zone. It's a penalty. You can't kick it before the 20. That's a penalty. I mean, you're forcing guys. It's essentially like a run play, like a long, huge run play, and that's way more safer for the players. It's A lot of it's just centered around creating a more high-stakes game, and I, and yeah. I think that, that makes it's good for, you know, being able to watch it. Um, my thing is, they're going to have to get kind of just more names. They're, they they names, need a face. Yeah. They need a face for this league. That or they I think, need, yeah. I, mean, I think if they can poach someone from the NFL, like bag them out and just make sure that they they get taken care of, um, and you can have them come over and be the face. It doesn't even have to be like an all pro. Baker soon to come, baby. That's what I'm saying. Like Baker, come on, Baker. I saw a tweet today. Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold <laughs> are going to dominate the XFL <laughs> in a couple <laughs> years. <laughs> it's the Matt McGloin clinic. The last time we were when we went on air. So, but it does seem like a good place for those guys who want to get a second chance. It's a legitimate like product. Be... I think. I think that's what we can both agree on here. Is if they can get players within this legitimate product, I mean that just elevates it even more. Yeah, outside of like guys who you know were deemed not you know talented enough or you know for whatever reason can't get on an nfl roster seeing those guys are like guys that we've you know who never really got who we think never really even got a chance guys like cardale jones who never really got their chance to actually like really play for a for a you know a job in the nfl um it's it's interesting for those guys but again i think you do need that one guy who's going to be like the face of the league so i'm i'm interested in the xfl i'll keep watching and everybody loves a comeback story and that's essentially what the entire xfl is too so if they can lean on that i think 
excuse me, that'll be really good for their marketing purposes. And honestly, there's their whole media standpoint from all of this is just significantly better than the AAF was because it's obviously going to be compared to that just for the next few years until it actually like gets a bearing. And with the AAF, first of all, they were airing on the NFL network. They're not, they weren't airing on ESPN and Fox Sports every day. So that alone is a big deal. But if you just go on social media, there's just a lot more of a buzz. And, you know, the social media pages for each team is a lot more exciting, a lot more modern. And, you know, they're trying to build this rapport with individual players. And, and the only rapport we had with individual players, I think, was Johnny Manziel in the AAF. He was the biggest story of that league. And no one's even thinking about him. No one's really thinking about him joining the league at this point. So I think that's a big plus for the XFL. Um, so yeah, that's the XFL. We can uh, move on here. I want to talk about the Call of Duty League. Okay, go Let's ahead. Talk about some esports. All right. Um, the biggest thing we're in week two of uh the Call of Duty League right now. We're in the London home series right now. We're going around from from each you know host city. So last last series we were in Minnesota. This time we're in London. The Royal Ravens are the home team. It's crazy. Um, it's been pretty like interesting to say the least call of duty is like a really dramatic esport like the personalities involved there is a lot of personalities they're very large like yeah and like they they are not afraid to like you know chip at each other you know that's what Oh desperately needs that's a a discussion for another time (laughs) but yeah uh one of the one of the more shocking things to me and we i talk about this more in depth on our on my call of duty league podcast called drop shot boys is with my good friend jacob brothers but um Dallas, the Dallas Empire, um, highly touted team coming into the season, the inaugural season of the Call of Duty League, and they have just been laying eggs. They, I don't think they won a single match uh, during the Minnesota series, and I think they're they are in the finals of. I think they're heading to the finals this weekend, but it's still going on right now. But they haven't really been able to show up against like actual like elite teams like Chicago and stuff. What like do you that. think that comes down to? I don't know because. On paper, they're really good, and I think they might be just be. I, it might just the game might have passed them by, something like that, because that's that's an actual thing. Age is like a, age actually is like your reflexes. If your if your reflexes and your reaction times are off even like half a second, oh, yeah. it it changes everything. Hmm. You know, so there are players. Is who, it a bunch of geezers on the team or something? No, it's just guys in their <laughs> late twenties, bunch of seventy year olds <laughs> playing COD or something like no, that. No, but like it's guys that you would think like uh, Crim Six was part of like this elite, like he was two different dynasties as far as um, evil geniuses and, and complexity and optic gaming and him going to Dallas was like a huge, huge move. Him splitting off from all of the stuff that he had been part of prior. And he's just not really like, it just doesn't seem like he can carry this team. And that's, that's very shocking to me. On the other hand, the guys he left Chicago, the Huntsman, they are on fire. Wow. And ever that's what everyone expected from them. But um, again, they just been, it's every series they've been in has just been either not very, just, just not very close so that's that's what i'm that's what i'm super interested in right now with uh with the call of duty league um the action keeps getting the viewership is pretty good too especially uh especially since they're not on twitch they're on uh, exclusively on youtube for this wow yeah and they're still getting like for cod the the viewership numbers are decent for any other esports they're bad but cod viewership has never been super high but for this, it's pretty, pretty good. That's impressive. I mean, I think it's going to keep growing more and more. And eventually, it's going to be in the Olympics, I think, esports will. so Yeah, 100%. Which I'm, I actually am pretty excited for because it's kind of a big deal. But, yeah, I mean, that's our esports. The new- esports corner on uh, on delivering sports. Yeah, we'll definitely <laughs> include that. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a billion-dollar industry, so it would be kind of silly for us to ignore it. My next thing is I have a question for you. Okay. Do you think uh, tanking in the NBA is dead? 
do I think no one tanks anymore? Do you think the act, the act of successfully tanking? Do you think that it can? Do you think it still exists? Yes, I don't think players tank, but I think you can put player rotations. Players in a, never tank. I think you can put players in a certain no. rotation and time frame and like make them lose a game just because it doesn't. But make sense. okay, but like in the sense of like the entire process of tanking is that you lose and you get a better draft pick. Do you think that like these new like because do you think no one does that anymore? That's a topic of conversation that's been brought up recently because <laughs> John Moran. That's all I have to say. <laughs> it's the topic of conversation that's been brought up recently because the Knicks have are on a four game winning streak. And they're on the verge of probably winning their fifth game in a row because I think they play like Cleveland or someone tonight. Yeah. And it's interesting to me because a lot of them, are, a lot of like fans that we interact with are pretty upset about the fact that they're like stringing wins together. But well, I'll tell you that. if I, like I said, in my past experience, I've been a Nick fan for, for all, like over a decade now. And it's like, I've, I've seen them be bad. I've seen them like almost intent, like not intentionally lose, but be bad enough to the point where you would think that they're tanking. And it's still not warrant them the 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 requisite pick that that warranted all that tanking in the first place. They won seventeen games last year and ended up with the third pick. You can't tell me that that is like that's an optimal outcome. I'm gonna put my my tin hat on just for one second <coughs> because I don't know. Like off air, semi on air, I think the NBA draft is rigged. Like. I don't think it's a legit lottery. You can't tell me the two smallest markets getting the first and second pick. I think the league is trying to the two smallest. No, the, but I'm no, saying, yeah, I mean, yes, no, I'm, I'm yes. agreeing with you. No, but what I'm saying is, I think the league is also trying to reward teams who are trying hard because that season the Grizzlies were legitimately bad, but they still had like Conley and Marcus Saul, and they were trying really hard to win games that season. And at the end of the day, you could say they were rewarded for all their troubles. And also the Pelicans, of course, needed they get first an, they get they Zion Williamson they the, had the moment that Anthony Davis is. Are you kidding me? Like, if you put a gun to my head, and told me is the is the league rigged? I would say no. But <laughs> if we're talking in my basement, I think or something there are greater like that, powers at play here. <laughs> those lottery balls seem to act pretty crazy when they want to. So like it's at the so at, that's what brings this up for me is like why get upset. If if it really is, you literally have no idea what those ping pong balls. Are you know, do. you have no idea what's going to happen anymore now because you, the Knicks had the best lottery odds, but even when they had the best lottery odds, they had to share those odds with two other teams, and it ended up screwing them because they didn't have a high enough chance to to get the first overall. You pick. need to build a culture in a team just to make your franchise like the Grizzlies went from grit and grind to Grizz next gen, like, but they have a legitimate like team identity and. That's such an important. That's a more important part of a team than I think anything. I think the Knicks are doing that right now. What do you think their identity is? I think I think they're trying to build that. Is what I'm saying. I think they're trying to become a more modern NBA team. Like, do you think they're like? What do you think their play style? Like, what are they growing? Towards? It's less. It's less so in play style, but but culture building, because of, you hired Leon Rose, you hire Steve Stout, you hire Worldwide West. Like, that's a very clear. Like, those guys have a rapport. And they're connected, and they're they want to be. So they're trying to have like a uh, a swaggy type of culture. I guess, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. It's like it kind of seems. I said I I tweeted this like when when the Leon Rose news broke. It was like it seems like James Dolan is trying to hire every like exec like sports executive that Jay Z has ever shouted out in a song. (laughs) Basically, well, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm for it. I mean, 
the Knicks have literally been in limbo for about five years. So I, this year does seem to be a lot more different. And I'm personally a big fan of Mike Miller, but we can save that for another time. It's that's just, a long discussion. But to, to get back on tanking, it's just like it doesn't seem like it's a race towards the bottom anymore. No. It's it just used the teams to be, who are but bad, it doesn't feel that way anymore. It doesn't seem like any team is blatantly tanking right now. Except maybe the, the Pistons. Wa- the Warriors. <laughs> by trading away their best player. And, they're not, and I feel like they're not going to – no team that actually legitimately and blatantly tanks gets rewarded. The Suns no, tanked never. last year, and they got – they, they never got absolutely bent by. And then the, when the league lottery. did throw him a bone, they drafted DeAndre Ayton. I mean, they they'll never get another first overall pick yeah. for the rest of time. And so like the same thing with the Cavs. The Cavs tanked last year and they got bent over by the lottery too and had to draft Darius Garland. Like, and I think that's a good way of doing it. <laughs> I like I think the league should punish people for purposely trying to tank because it's just overall worse for the league. I don't know. I I, I think I always think in my my thinking behind the playoffs is the way I want the league to do it personally. Every team that's not in the playoffs has a tournament, and the winner gets first overall pick. If anything, you tell me that wouldn't encourage every team the best <laughs> they could possibly be every single season. People, people are pissed because Knicks fans are pissed because they want Lamelo Ball, and they think that the the more games they win, the the less likely. There's that no it's statistical uh, there's, data to support that. First of all, Lamelo is signed to CAA. <laughs> Leon Rose is CAA's best agent, or he was. And you're gonna have to take it up with silver, brother. That's all I gotta say. I'm saying, but like again, no team is racing towards the bottom blatantly tanking anymore. No. The Warriors are the worst team in the and league I think because that's good. they have no depth and their two best players are injured. But at the same, like at the end of the day, it's like it's really like it's in Silver's hands, really. I don't if you and if you don't believe that, I think that's just naive. But speaking of the Warriors, um, Andrew Wiggins' first game. As a Golden State Warrior, dropped like twenty four points on like eight of thirteen shooting. Like we, like I said on the last podcast, the only thing I'm worried about is when Clay and Steph come back, and he's mm-hmm. gonna have to limit himself to ten to fourteen shots a game. That's what I'm worried about. Do you think he can turn it around there? Do I think he become he can become like a more catch and shoot dynamic type of player? It's not even about. I don't even think it's about being a catch and shoot player and, and changing his. The ball's not going to be in his hands as much as it is right I'm now. I'm saying okay, but I'm saying like, do you think that? Being in the in Golden State's culture, the very strong culture, like they they abide like, and that's why they've been successful for so long. But do you think that with that culture, like him being surrounded in that, do you think that it allow him to be like mature as a player? It allow him to be the best player that he can be. Because that's like, it's not, although it's not tested, uh, proven like one hundred percent perfect. Because we saw what happened to Angel Russell, like with a troubled player and. It, like, literally did not work out in this, like, perfect system. Well, people were questioning the D'Angelo stuff in the beginning because fit-wise it didn't really make a whole lot of sense. And despite Steve Kerr saying, like, saying the opposite and then reneging on that later. But, like, I Wiggins' biggest problem is just maturity as far as just as a basketball player and being able to, like, use his head more. And I think that if if anywhere you can do that, like, Golden State's one of those places where you can kind of figure that stuff out. You know, so I think that do I think he's going to be like an all star? I'm not sure. I can't I can't make a ruling. Probably not. But I to say that, like, he can't, like, be a part of this team and, and be a, a contributor, I think is is, you know, writing. Oh, well, he of course, he'll be a contributor. But I'm talking about the grand scheme of things because the Warriors want to win championships, let's be honest. And I mean, that makes sense. And I just don't think with him making 30 million plus <clears throat> for the next four years, three years that they're going to be able to build a roster enough around Andrew Wiggins to kind of – because he's making – let's be honest, like – not let's be honest, but, like, he's making Kevin Durant money. like Close to it, Pretty yeah. much. He's making about what Kevin Durant would make. And 
he's not as good as Kevin Durant. I mean, yeah. But what I'm saying is you don't need to build much of a team around Steph, Clay, and Kevin Durant. You're going to need to build more of a t- team around those around Wiggins, Clay, and Steph. I actually disagree because I think the the issues with Golden State's championship aspirations are more so in line with their lack of depth because all yep. of those teams have well, had – How are they going to get depth with this contract? What I'm saying – Here's what I'm saying is that like either of those teams have either the Golden State Championship teams have had like those two star players with Steph and Clay and you know, you getting really, really significant contributions from Draymond and Andrea Godala and a bunch of other bench players, or it's been just an overwhelming level of talent where you had Steph, Clay, Durant, even Demarcus Cousins and Draymond Green, all that stuff. You you would just overwhelm teams. There's still like I I don't know if there's still a philosophy where guys would take a pay cut to go play with the Warriors because that was a trend for a while. People were just taking less and less money. Like decent players were taking less and less money to go play in Golden State, and that's more of an issue now. Is just because the the players on Golden State's bench are like they have some of the worst players I've ever seen. Jordan Poole is awful. He's terrible. I mean, if you could show me a list of names who are going to do that, I mean, as of right now, I don't because I, I just think that the injuries are going to be. In I'm the just back saying. Of the I'm just saying. I think that's a bigger issue. I think as far as them well, trying I think, to I just make don't think the, the issue can be addressed legitimately with the way because they just extended Draymond to a max and super max to Steph, a max to Clay Thompson. I no, mean, no, no. But like I'm saying, if 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 you're talking about making the finals and you're the Warriors, I think Wiggins is less of a less of like the the worry, and the worry is more on like we don't have depth. But, but he is like. The reason for the worry, basically. Sure. Yeah, he makes he he's got a, he's on a super yeah, bloated I'll, contract. Let me say I'll say it like this. I, I think that I think this is what we can both agree on on this point. If Wiggins was making fifteen million, sure, this could be a finals team. Well, not as constructed now, but if you give them an you extra, can build a finals. If you team. give them an, an extra what fifteen million dollars to build the team around, yeah, you only need about one more piece, and that's a, and that goes to the finals. But as it is right now, I'm very worried that they can get it done with the way the money works on this team. I'd like to see Andrew Wiggins start playing. Oh, no, better. of course. I'm rooting for the guy. I mean, it would mm-hmm. be great to see him. I mean, to see him play like he did in his second or third season, if we could get that out of him, I mean, that's some serious stuff. But if he can do that, I mean, he's never shot 40% from three in his life, and I think that's also going to contribute to some of the problems with Golden State. But, uh, I mean, that's just something we'll have to see at this point. All right. That was that's hot. That's hot. All right, uh, that's going to do it for today. Uh, once again, just thank Brian Feldman for joining the show. That was a really great opportunity, and I really appreciate that he did that. And we got to wrap it up because, you know what? The St. Louis Battlehawks are on <laughs> right now, and that's my team. I'm sticking with them. I'm going all the way at the St. Louis Battlehawks. Is that because they have the Ole Miss quarterback? They do have the Ole Miss quarterback. <laughs> and they have Marquette King. That's their punter. Marquette King's yes. on the Battlehawks? He's going to be riding his horse down the field, and it's going to be the best thing Why ever. is he not in the league? I don't know, because he's a goofball, I guess. I don't know. That's weird. I guess people do you have don't a, want... Do you have an XFL team before we sign off here? I do not have an XFL team. Would you like to announce one live on the podcast? LA might not be a bad choice. It was, I mean, Matt McGloin Clinic is pretty wild. Like Cardale Jones, I'm going with the Defenders. Okay, okay, going with the Defenders, not a bad choice. That's going to do it for today. Thank you guys so much for joining. Appreciate it. We'll be back. I'm doing a Valentine's Day show. I'm sure you'll be with your girlfriend, but I'll be... <laughs> sadly doing a podcast (laughs) by myself for valentine's day but uh that's when you'll see us next uh you can catch us on social media at delivering sport because you can't there's not enough characters at uh at delivering sports on instagram you can see us on youtube delivering sports and kevin your own personal page um blue milk boys podcast make sure you guys subscribe to our other podcasts our our star wars pop culture tv film podcast um 
at Kevin OML underscore on Twitter. And yeah, man, make sure you guys are, are checking us out on YouTube. Make sure you're checking us out, liking our pages, all of that stuff, keeping up with the, the latest, uh, what we got going on, when shows are dropping, all of that stuff. We really appreciate it. Awesome. Perfect. That'll do it for today. Thanks so much. See you guys next time.